And welcome, our fellow lovers of love, and thank you for joining us on this excursion down the stream of consciousness through the river of tranquility and on towards the lake of love. Oh, yeah! One of these days I'm going to get that out smooth. All right, so it's been an interesting couple of weeks. We were on vacation, but before we go and talk about that, we'll kind of cover but what we're going to cover tonight. Um, Simone Biles, I believe is how you pronounce her name, is she withdrew from a bunch of competitions from the Olympics. I think as we come on air, she only has one left. I think it's the balance beam that she may compete on, and I doubt she will. My guess is she'll pull out. But, you know, I could be wrong. Who knows? Um, but she pulled out for her mental health, and we'll, we're not going to discuss her decision so much. It's more about the reaction to her decision that I think we'll talk about. Because, you know, it's none of our, her decisions are her decisions, and, you know, you get no judgment from us. But we'll talk about some of the reactions to it. And we've got some other issues about, you know, sharing your stories on mental health and how that can make you feel isolated. Isolated. It can be counterintuitive. Yes. Yeah. And, and how loneliness can feel like too much. And then we have our standard questions for the second half. And then we've always got something in our pocket if we need it. Yeah. So, so how was your two weeks vacation, Emma? It was very relaxing. I love being among the trees. Good family time. I got to read a lot. I slept very well. I got my appetite. I love food in the outdoors. Why does that always taste better? Well, I don't know. It always does. I think it's just you're in a frame of mind, a different frame of mind, so you're more inclined to enjoy food. You're prepped mm, to enjoy food. No, no, no. no it doesn't. It doesn't taste better. It's just... It's it, the mountain air. It's well, it's the mountain air, and you're with your friends and your families, and, you know, it's... it's been a relaxing day it's it's a whole different feel than after you spent you know just another day of drudgery and making dinner it's it's a different there's a different feel there so i think that's part of it i don't think it actually necessarily tastes better now the fact that my mother did a lot of the cooking or, or prepping the food she's better yeah are you kidding i'm so spoiled your mother does all the cooking and so we're better, you know, it's it's always better when someone else does the cooking. It's just... <laughs> it tastes good, yeah. <laughs> it's just always Your mother's a great cook. It's always better when someone else does the cooking. So that... And, you know, me, I always enjoy just kind of being out into the mountains and the trees and the mountains and, you know, just being away from the world. Even though you're not really away from the world, it was... I don't know. We didn't have much internet there, which I suppose, which means we only got, I bet, what, two half podcasts out. Yeah. Which, of course, by the way, I found out I screwed one up. I uploaded uh -oh. the same one twice. Uh-oh. That's what I get for using the app, trying to trying to squeeze in when you can find some internet. It wasn't, it's not good. I'll have to fix it, maybe. Or just re delete one of them and release the second one again. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what I'll do. But we tried to have shows. We tried to do a show, two shows up in Southwest, beautiful Southwest Tahoe. 
Yeah, but you're kind of isolated, and so you didn't have any way to do show prep, so it was kind of really off the off, off the, the It was off the cuff. We, they were short shows. Well, they weren't uh, that short. I, I, it was 36 minutes. I was on camera. Yeah, for one. As, for one. For the, actually the one we uploaded. But no one will see it. I still made the effort. It's, it's on my phone. It just doesn't look right. You okay? It just didn't look right. Okay. And anyway, you couldn't upload it from up there. So it took too long. There was just something off about it. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. It was just... You know, I've been doing TV things for a while, but it just didn't look right. Oh. The spacing was off or something. Or something wasn't right. I have to go back and look at it again. Okay. But I think we violated the rule of thirds too often. <laughs> I think it's rule of thirds. Yes, there's rule of thirds when, when you make TV shows. It's about and. You can violate them on occasion or if on purpose. You think that? Yeah. Um, you can violate them on purpose, but if you violate them too much, it's not good. So anyway, speaking of not good, we'll go ahead and cover this Simone Biles. Have you been following her with her? I just I just know that she's been having trouble program. Yeah, I think she did what was it? The the one run on the vault and she just said she she didn't feel right. It wasn't physical. It's a mental thing. Her, her body and mind weren't in sync. Uh-huh. And so she's essentially pulled out from everything but the balance beam. And like we discussed, everything but the balance beam. And you know, it's not like you're a runner who, if you have an off day, you just kind of run slow. You know, this is kind of where my, my differences have been coming. Are you talking about someone who's a gymnastics? And if she's having an off day, she can hurt herself. Terribly bad. And so Terribly it's, bad. And so it's not as simple decision as you are, you think about as... As normal people, we think about, yeah, of course we would. Of course, you know, there's many people do. If it's their one shot at the Olympics, if you will, you might actually try to take the risk. But she's been there and done that. She doesn't need to take the risk anymore. If you're some, if you're an athlete from some small country, and this is your chance to, to go and perform at the Olympics, you probably make that chance, take that risk. You can't pull out of the Olympics at that stage. You have too much personally at stake. Your country's at personal stake. But when you're an athlete for the United States, a lot of that pressure doesn't exist or shouldn't exist. You can see it. You're some small African country. They send six people to the Olympics. And you're one who gets to go, and you're an actual, you know, global level comp competitor. You know, you take an extra risk. I get that. I can even see it if you're from the United States. You got that type A personality. This is your one shot. You take the risk 
you play injured. People do it all the time. But you should never be asked to. If you choose to do it, great. I mean, I saw a, a football game once where, where a guy played on a broken leg. Fine. Wide receiver played on a fractured leg. It happens more often than we'd like to think. But he chose. He could have said no. No one would have said, looked at him differently for saying no. So if you're in, if you're an Olympic level gymnastics, gymnast, and you say, you know, my head's not in it, and I'm going to hurt myself if I try these things. I can't. There's no difference. I'm not going to hurt myself more than I am now. Something in my mind-body connection isn't working right. I can hurt myself more. That's all that matters to me. I don't care the actual reasons. I don't care if it's anxiety. I don't care if it's depression. I don't care if whatever. It's not my business. She's making a decision for herself. And that's all there is to it. Now there's this reaction. There's this two reactions to it, which both irritate me. Well, one irritates me halfway. Because it's it's some of the Why? Pe- what are people saying? Well, one there was one group of people who it's become political well, actually there's three things that annoy me. But one of it is that it's become political needlessly. Uh, you've gotta be kidding me. Yeah. No, but it didn't start that way. It started as as a cultural thing. You know how type A personalities are. Well, if I'd get that and, and you know how couch, couch armchair <laughs> athletes are. Well, if I had done it, I'd have done it anyway. You know, you get kind of that, which is kind of expected. And you get the type A personalities who say, oh, you quit on your team, and blah, 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 and all that. And, well, gymnastics isn't really a team sport. And... And your team supports you. If your team is supporting you, it's none of your other business. You know, she didn't quit on her country. She's taking care of herself. We're the United States of freaking America. If you're allowed to take care of your damn self, you're allowed to tell your country to flip off. I'm taking care of myself first. It's what we freaking formed for. <laughs> That's the whole freaking point. <laughs> of the endeavor is that you don't owe your country or society anything. We willingly give them things, but we don't owe them anything. There's a difference. And so there's, and so that's become political. And you have people like, I don't even want to say their names here on, but you, you got, you know, the top. Talking heads. And then you've got the, the other side talking heads complaining about that side's talking heads, right? Rather than just saying, no, I'm going to not put air in this balloon. I'm just going to ignore them and let the balloon die quickly. Right. right. It's all become this big, huge thing. Oh, my God. Well, and then you've got the media, the normal sports media, who are the absolute worst hypocrites on the face of the freaking earth because they are the ones who put the pressure on these, on these kids and athletes. They're the ones who do it. They're the ones who put the world on their shoulders. And then all of a sudden they're going to pretend that, oh, we care about your emotions and your feelings. You are such flipping lying hypocrites. 
Now you get some of the culture magazines who are make writing articles in support. Great, because you actually write articles in support of these kind of things all the time. I have no problems with them doing it. But it's the sports media who actually created the problems that give you mental health issues. You we talked about that tennis player what a month ago, six weeks ago, whatever yes, it was. Who who left who said I'm not gonna participate in Wimbledon because of the media pressure. Yes. And then the media was patting themselves on the back for being so understanding. No, you morons, you're the problem. <laughs> you're the ones putting all this pressure on them. You're the ones who have told the country that these people are standing up there for you, they're representing you. And you're the ones who've done all this stuff, and now you're going to go and pretend that you're on their side? Do you care about their emotional health and physical health? You lying spectrum. All you care about is getting viewers, which is why viewership is way down. Oh. Yeah, viewership is way down. So, you know, and then, of course, then you get the politics again. But, well, see, you've entered politics, and so now sports is, you know, people aren't watching. No, people aren't watching because the whole thing's kind of become trivial because of the way you treat it. Treat what? Because, well, because of you, because of the way the media treats athletes and sports. Oh. and. People are tired of it. Sports is supposed to be fun and entertaining. It's not supposed to be life or death. And the media has now, sports media, let's be clear, not all media, sports media, treats everything like life or death. Like if a referee misses a call, the world ends. Well, no, the world goes on just like it would have if the referee had made the right call. Nothing actually changed, except maybe for some guys in Vegas. And I don't care about gambling. It's gambling for a reason. You know, I don't... They've ruined sports by their over-analysis and their over... Rather than just watching it for the beauty of the athletes, the beauty of the game, and just enjoying it, it's become this life-or-death struggle when it's not. And people are kind of tired of it. I know I am. I don't watch sports anymore. I used to love watching sports. I can't watch it anymore. Because I watch it to get off of the life or death struggle of real life, not to freaking bring it in there. I, <laughs> you know, that sports are supposed to be your escape, your things that bring us all together, not the things that separate us. And what's happening more and more is that we're literally, deliberately looking for ways to separate us. It's it's like an obsession now, where we're deliberately trying to find ways to separate ourselves, not to differentiate ourselves, to make ourselves unique individuals, but to other the other person, make the other person the other, so we don't have to care about them. And then we tell ourselves we're doing it because we care about society. And it's not, we all do it. If I took a hard enough look in the mirror, I'm sure I could find myself doing it more often than I would like. It's a natural human thing. But we're supposed to try to fight it. That's what civilization is for. But it's not for civilization. It's for you. 
It's for us. It's for you, your family, the future. You know, not being selfish is actually one of the most selfish things you can do. I said. Well, because if you think that you're not being selfish to make yourself feel but not so you're not making yourself feel better, the reason you are selfless is because it makes people feel better. Makes you a better human being. You're not selfish. There's nothing wrong with being selfish. We've just discussed this with Simone Biles. She was being selfish. She was taking care of herself first. The needs of the country, the needs of her teammates are secondary to her mental and physical needs. The people who loved her, her teammates, her families, fully support her. Okay, brother? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's not the being selfish. It's how and when you do it. Do you do it at the expense of other people? Or do you do it because you have to do it for yourself? Half of somebody else's plate because, not because you're hungry, just because you're greedy. You know, it's one thing if someone has a full plate, yours is empty and you haven't eaten in three days and you go, hey, can I have that roll? <laughs> Most people would give you their food. So, Oh, dude, I ate yesterday. I ate earlier here. Have it. It's wrong for you to take it. Doesn't matter the reason. So it's not selfishness that's the problem. Selfishness is perfectly fine when you're taking care of yourself for yourself, and you're not doing it at the expense of anybody. You know, teammates pick pick up other pick up your teammates. That's what they do. You can't be here because X reason. That's okay. We'll pick you up. We got you covered. That's the whole point. She didn't let her team down. She let her team pick her up. That's what we should be. Focus her on. Exactly. So anyway, so did you get a chance to read that article on the, on how sharing your mental health story can make you feel lonely? Yeah. Yes. Invalidated, I guess is the word to be used. Invalidated. Yes. So what'd you think? I didn't get to look at that one. Oh. I looked at the loneliness of always feeling too much. Well, I can, well, see. My journey to being able to express myself. And whenever we read these things, I think we have to remember that where these people, where your journey starts. Their journey is always different. So nothing is universal. I think that's one of the things we need to be careful about when we really read these articles. Okay. And, and that this person is expressing their journey. Yes. Their journey may be vastly different than yours. Yes. See, me expressing myself, learning how to express myself, learning how to tell my story has had the opposite effect. But I can see where they're coming from. As someone with that anxiety, I have anxiety. And so learning how to express myself has been freeing. Yes. But I can see if you're maybe have depression and you have to talk about it all the time 
and, and you're you can just not want to talk about it sometimes <laughs> and then so you isolate yourself and that kind of feeds on it i can see how it would work and then that's just trying to be empathetic without i can see how the desire to speak and the desire to speak for people who are like you but can't speak for themselves becomes a burden and that you have to occasionally hide from and when you hide from it you feel isolated and then when you're dealing with mental health issues anytime you start to feel isolated there's a chance that that snowballs because we know how snowballs work those things build themselves and you have to be very careful to not be in the way <laughs> because you know, that's, and essentially I think that's what they're trying to get across, is that it's the need to express yourself, the desire to express yourself actually needs to, you know, for selfish reasons, you have to, you know, you have to isolate yourself from the, the constant pressure of expressing yourself. Well, yes, there is a there is a, a a need to explain and express where you're where you're coming from, and and it's different from everyone else, and it's, so you got to do it a lot when you get to know people, and that can be a bit of a pressure, and. Uh, for myself, I I wait a while. I don't. Uh, I wait and see if the person is able to understand. Uh, uh, able to. Usually, it it leaks out though. I can't help it. Well, yeah, but I think they're also talking about someone who's a writer or someone who does, you know, someone who's an advocate or. For whatever reason, they've gone from oh 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 oh. They've gone from you know just kind of dealing with this privately to having to deal with it more publicly. More publicly, oh oh oh, yes. That's but that's its own journey. The personal journey is its own problems. <laughs> that's its own minefield as you try to walk through the personal relationships with mental health. And we, we kind of, we kind of cover that in the next article. Okay, well let's go ahead and we'll go do that one. We've got eight minutes for the rest of this half, so we'll cover that. So the, I didn't actually get a chance to read. I read it quickly, but I didn't get a chance to go back and reread it. I always like to read these things twice, and I didn't get a chance to do it second, the second time. Um, so that's why the loneliness of always feeling too much. This is a person who can feel a lot. Yes, because I actually can relate to this. And uh, this person is trying to have interpersonal relationships and tries to express themselves in this area and feels as if um, it's not well received. Uh, for one thing, she had, she or he, I don't, I didn't, I don't know if it was a man or a woman, um, 
has a hard time expressing themselves, gets overwhelmed easy, and doesn't feel that they express themselves well. Um, and they also feel as if the, the other person doesn't, they, they feel rejected a lot. The other person just wants them to be happy, happy, happy. And they feel that they lose a lot of friends because of this part of their life. Well, I can understand, I can actually understand the whole empath feeling because I am very empathetic. I've always been a very empathetic person. I cry at the drop of a hat while watching, you're watching things like Northern Exposures. You watch, we watched, one of the things we did on our, on our holiday was we watched, um, we got through almost five seasons, four and a half, five, four and a half seasons, four and a half seasons of Northern Exposure. And, you know, it's kind of a thought provoking show. It talks a lot about philosophy and relationships. And, it's a very thought-provoking show, but I cry at the drop of a hat. I can't get through an episode, a, a good episode of that without getting tears. But I get tears on all kinds of things. But that's because I can feel. I can feel for the the characters. I can feel for the journey they're going through. I can relate to it, whether I can relate to it or not. I can relate to the human aspect of it. Yes. Yes. I can. Even if I completely kind of disagree where they're coming from, I can still relate to their journey, to their human aspect of the journey. And, and even though something that I completely know is completely fiction, deliberately written to pull those kind of strings, it'll pull those strings. <laughs> My honey. <laughs> it's a... I was going to say it's awful, but it's not. There's nothing... No, it's not. It's I annoying love, at times. I love, it's annoying to you. I love it. <laughs> I mean, it's annoying at times. But but that's the thing. It's annoying at times. You can become overwhelmed. It's, and there's a lot of people who can't handle that. There's a lot of people who aren't really your friends because not because they're not good people not because but because you know they're not even necessarily giving an honorable effort but because their personality type can't handle the realism that you live in every day they have to be able to kind of ignore that part of life. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not a judgment. It's just, you know, how an empath couldn't handle, does, they don't handle, say, like cubicles very well. The kind of soulless office. They don't handle those very well. They need more life <laughs> in their lives, <laughs> so to speak. I mean, it's the same thing, but there's some people who thrive in that kind. And it's, there's no difference. And there's no judgment just one way or the other. It's just the way we are. But some people can't deal with that on a regular basis. They can't be with somebody who tears up at a at an episode of Northern Exposure every day. You know? They can't handle it. They think they want to fix it. Especially men have a trouble with this. Because they want to fix things. And there's nothing to fix. <laughs> You're just having a feeling. 
And it'll go away. It's fine. There's nothing to fix. You know, sometimes it's a happy feeling. Sometimes it's a sad feeling. But there's nothing to fix. And so if you're with a fixer, if you're hanging out with some people who like to fix things, who like to solve problems, and they see you over there tearing up, well, should we, should we change the channel? Should we watch something else? Should we go do something? No, I'm enjoying this. It's just fine. But <laughs> it's fine. There's nothing wrong. I just get emotional over these kind of things. But it can be draining for some people. You know, just like an introvert having to go up and run for office and all that stuff is, is draining. It's draining. It's, there's no difference. Here's what it is. Anything to add? That was kind of rambly, but anything to add to that? Nothing I can think of. All right, so we are going to go ahead and take a break for Anchor FM. Let our let the sponsor kind of do their thing, and we will be right back in about five minutes or so. And we are back for our second, second half of this episode here. We've gone, and before we go on continue, we want to remember, if you want to send love you a dear lovey letter, you can send it at love at latenightlove.us. Love to hear from you. You can catch our past broadcasts and all information we use for these shows at latenightlove.us. You can also catch us on latenightlove.locals.com. I believe it's the new address we got there at Facebook. Slash the late night love. It's unique that one. And you can find us on MeWe, Minds, and other social media networks. I forget all of them. You can find me at on Twitter at Jazzrack. And I believe that's about it. Oh, Anchor FM, Late Night Love, various podcast networks. And if you can't find us on your favorite podcast network, let us know. And we will get it up on there. So, okay. As we do this again, because, well. Somebody forgot to unmute the mic. Yeah, well, you know, it's not my fault. Well, okay, it is my fault. But still. <laughs> it's a bump in the road. Hey, these things happen. We're fine. We get to do it again. That's all it means. Because we're professionals, dang it. Yeah, that's what happens when the talent has to also be the engineering staff. See, this is actually why in professional setups, you've got like a team of people behind you when you do the yeah. TV show. And I know about doing TV shows. There's three of us in front of the ca- of the thing. And when you have a full staff, you've each got there's three cameras, which has their own cameraman. You've got the floor director. You've got the floor sound person. Then you've got the four people in the booth. And that's just to put on a half-hour show. Now, we do it differently because, of course, we do in our show. We have one person to do the camera, oftentimes as the floor director, and we have two people in the booth. So so they're busy. (laughs) They're moving around a lot. Everybody's doing lots of things, except for the talent, of course. All you get to do have to do is stand up there and talk about what you've prepared. So, you know, the life of talent is, is easy. Again, no one wants to, everybody else would rather be behind the scenes. They find it more fun. Everybody, you yeah. want to come on TV with me? Everybody gets all scared. No one wants to be it. I don't. So, even though it's the easiest role in the, 
in the studio. All right, so what's this first question we've got dealing with today? How do you fight for your husband and get him to stop seeing his mistress? He, he doesn't want a divorce, and I can't afford a divorce. I don't think she can afford not to get a divorce. I think this is one of these cases where you've got you got to believe what they're telling you. He doesn't want a divorce because he's selfish, completely selfish, only thinking about himself and doesn't care how much pain he causes anybody else around. You know, we've talked about selfish being selfish earlier, you know, to protect yourself. He's not protecting himself. There's no protection there. Well, I mean, if he's an emotional child, then maybe he's protecting himself, but that's not the same thing. An adult being an emotional child doesn't get to protect themselves at the expense of other people. But he's already just told, he's essentially told you, I'm not leaving my mistress. So he doesn't want you as a wife, he wants you as a thing. <laughs> yeah, but she's so in the in the fighting mode she still thinks she can fight for him i think she needs counseling to be able to move on to the point where she can maybe be get a little bit angry you know and start processing there's well maybe but i think the only way she's going to get to that stage is to leave as long as she's afraid to leave and she's afraid of of getting a divorce, clearly she says she can't afford it. There's a lot of people who can't afford a divorce, but you got to get out of that toxic situation. Yeah, you can't afford separate, that separate. Get just get the hell out of there. Worry about a divorce later. Oddly enough, it's the divorce is probably the one thing that can save your economics. Um, but nobody comes out better of a divorce, and economically speaking. But you come out better, mentally speaking. And physically and speaking, and emotionally speaking, every yeah. other way you come out healthier, which will help your economics in the long run. Yes. And even if it doesn't, it will help your happiness in the long run. So yes. as long as you're not going to starve and freeze out in the cold or something, get the hell out. I just, I don't see any way that this ends well. And the longer it goes on, the more emotional damage that's done. Well, that's why I suggest counseling to kind of get that process going. Yeah, I still agree. Go to counseling after you get the hell out. <laughs> At the same time, I don't care. There's there's no way that ends well. It took me a year and a half of counseling before I left my violent husband. It, <laughs> it, it's a process. I had to get there. Yes, but you should have left two years before. Yes, I should have. That's the point. And I, you can't, we can't sugarcoat it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You should go to counseling so you can eventually find. No, get the hell out and then go to counseling so you can repair the damage. Start repairing the damage that's been done. There's times to be nice. There's times to be gentle, and there's times to slap somebody with the truth. I'm not being mean. I'm not being uncaring. I'm not being unkind. I'm actually being as kind as I can possibly manage to be. Uh, it, there's not dragging these things out is not kind.
it's just not. It's got its own costs, and those need to be considered. And sadly, we don't consider those things until after we've gone through it a few times. So we know the cost of dragging it out. We all know I'm the king of pay of knowing how to drag these things out. Okay, so what's next? Okay, when my parents died, I was given custody of my two-year-old brother. Now I am married with children, and he is 15. I love him as much as my other children, and sometimes I forget he is my brother. Is that weird? I would say, no, it's not weird. Good heavens, you had him since he was two years old. Yeah, let's see if I can get through this time without crying. Um, because I remember, I teared up when we were talking about this in the first attempt at this tag. <laughs> um, yeah, you are as both. You're, you're, you're his brother and his father. You've raised him since he was two. Your family. I mean, this thing could have gone sideways so easily. And yet here you are, you're wondering, your biggest concern is that you sometimes feel like his father. That's your biggest concern. Pat yourself on the freaking back. You've done a wonderful job. Because you know, you not didn't sit here and write say my fifty I've been raising my since he was two. He's disturbed, he's running with the run. It's not that's not the question he wrote. <laughs> he didn't write some question that he's disturbed about the direction his his brother's going. He's writing, you know, am I sometimes I feel like his father, am I feeling weird? No, that's perfectly natural feeling, and in fact, you should be proud. It means you, you've given him a wonderful gift. You've given him unconditional love, the love of a parent that he doesn't have. It doesn't matter if it comes from his brother. You're his father. You've raised him. You care about him. That's what makes you a father. You know, there's a difference between being a father and being a, a dad. Anybody can be a dad. It takes actual time and effort and love to be a father. I mean, there's something different. It's not about blood. And you're lucky you've got the blood. And, you know, you're clearly big enough difference in age where you're old enough, but you could have been that old. How old could you have been? How old could you have been? <laughs> you know, you couldn't have been that old. And yet you've raised him. Now you're raising your own kids. And your concern is that I might love him too much? No. No, you've done the world. You've done the world a service. Because it's not just your brother that's watching. It's your children, it's your neighbors, it's the people at school, it's your friends' friends. I mean, it's your children's friends, it's your friends' children. Everybody's watching. Everybody sees. No, not enough of them come back and pat you on the back and say, you know, you've done a wonderful thing. This is true. We should do that more often. But you've done a wonderful thing. And the ripples you leave in time, 
you do not know. But we thank you. Yes. Because that's just a tremendous act of love. Okay, so here's what I'm going to ask you, because it's I'm a guy. I have no idea about these kind of questions. What did my got my why why did my gynecologist ask if I'd had a baby before? I haven't and felt embarrassed. They ask everybody. How many pregnancies have you had? That's a standard question. Yeah, that's just like I said. You know, there's well, some of us cannot answer these questions. I don't know what a regular gynecologist visits like. <laughs> my poor daughter. You know, I had to raise her for a kind of. You know, I wasn't by myself. I was her main caregiver. You know, her mother was in a different state when her teenager, so she, so we kind of had to navigate these things <laughs> on her own. And I, I'm a surprised she's a functioning human being, to be honest with you. She's a wonderful girl. Yes, I know. That's not the point. The point is, how in the hell did that happen when I can't answer questions like this? You know, she's got to go through these things. She either has to have really frank discussions with her nurses and her doctors. You know, and, you know, it's not the olden days where you couldn't talk to somebody who states away. You know, phone calls and the Internet, you know, there was, there's always that. But these are awkward questions. And women's questions, body questions, are different than men. Men, we joke about our bodies and our procedures. And, you know, everybody knows what a prostate exam, what happens in a man's prostate exam. Everybody on the planet knows. Right? There's not a comedian who doesn't tell them that uh, the joke. Right? There's not a, everybody knows the jokes, and it's because it's real. Okay, the jokes are a little exaggerated, but not by much. And so, <laughs> and so everybody knows. But you don't really have jokes. I mean, there's one or two comedians who will joke about the gynecologist experience, but we don't talk about it. People say, oh, it's icky. I don't necessarily think it's icky. It's just no one wants to talk about it. Women are different than men. Men will laugh at themselves. You don't need to know. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, it's private. Yeah. Well, so is having his fingers shoved up your rectum. But <laughs> we, don't, we don't mind sitting there talking about a bend over and cough, snap. You know, it's just, it's just you know, the, the glove jokes and all that. We don't mind. Yeah, it's all makes us uncomfortable, but it's the the humor eases the stress over the whole thing. But it's also a way to tell all men to shut up and just go get through your stupid prostate. Well, we have humor. We do it amongst ourselves. Yes, but... Why would we include men? They can't relate. Because that's how you make it a a non... Not uncomfortable conversation. If you can't, if if you can't talk about it in, you know, public company, so to speak, in polite company, so to speak, then you can't talk about it in polite company. We can talk about prostate exams in polite company. When's the last time you talked about a, a woman's exam in polite company? Uh, I don't. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. It, it's we want to make we want to normalize these kind of conversations. We have to normalize these kind of conversations. 
there's no other way to do it. <laughs> we all talk about normalizing these kind of conversations. Well, we're just going to have to start normalizing these kind of conversations. Okay, well, when we get together, we always talk about having to scoot down to the end of the table. That's always such a pain in the rear. I'm hanging off the edge to begin with. Do you want me to scoot down some more? Ah. Yeah, well, you know. And, I, then, and then there's the duck bills. If you get somebody nice, they warm them up. But if not, yikes. <laughs> See, we're not afraid to have these conversations over here. <laughs> So, I don't even know what the hell a duck bill is. So, speculum. Oh, okay. There you go. Then that we know what it is. Yeah. And so, we don't know that you all call them duck bills. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, it's a duck bill. Quack, quack. See, I, no, no, I get That's it. That's what it looks like. I get the reference now. I do. I get the reference now that it's been explained to me. But I didn't, it didn't, wouldn't have occurred to me. <laughs> These are things we don't know, right? Because we don't talk about them. Well, we do here. We do here. We're, we're willing to here. We may not know what to. I may not know what the hell to do with them, but I'm willing to have them. Okay. <laughs> my 18 year old daughter. Oh wait, you want to do it now? I'll finish. Yeah. My 18 year old daughter cannot finish high school because she fails math every year. Despite multiple tutors, she can't. She says she's unable to understand. In other subjects, she has good grades. What can we do? Well, she's what, 18, so she's going to be a senior. She's going to graduate. She's, she's 12. No, no, no she's 12. 18. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So that means she's a senior. That means it's not like you have time to make up these math classes. And so, one, we don't know what level of math we're talking about here. Is it calculus? Is it, I don't, I, they change what's required, what you required, algebra 2, algebra, you know, you don't need high-level math to function in life, so one way is to go around it and get a GED and then go to community college, send her off to community college where high-level math isn't necessarily required, depending upon what you want to do in life. And there's plenty to do in life that doesn't require, you know, needing calculus or wherever she happens to be stuck. But there are also other techniques. You, you, you know, one of the things about looking for tutors is you have to find the right tutor the tutor who has the technique that will reach your specific child because if they're all just trying to use the same technique they're going to fail yes and so clearly what the, the methods they are using or they have used haven't worked and because you didn't say she can't do it she's, she's got good grades in other classes so she clearly probably understands basic math it's probably not, I'm going to assume that it's, we're not talking she's stuck in, in, in pre-algebra or something. It's, right. I'm assuming it's algebra or higher. And lots of people have trouble with algebra and higher. It's nothing, I still can't figure out algebra to save my life. But I can do geometry. So. Yeah, algebra was the only A I ever got in high school. But I, could, I can't do geometry to save my life. So, you know, there's. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, so I don't know where she's stuck, and I don't know what her school requires to, to graduate. And if there's, if it's just a credit requirement she needs, if she's already gotten her required math and she just can't pass the next highest one because that's what they do, you know, and so she's missing credits, and you can just go take some kind of credit class, you know, home act or something, just to get your credits. 
or if it's a math credit, a specific math class she needs to graduate and she can't pass that one. And in life, you know, when you go fill out job applications, they don't ask you what your GPA was. They don't ask, these are, do you have a GED or high school diploma? You check, sure. the check the box and you move on. It doesn't matter. So, you know, what's the long-term goal? It's, you know, is, is the long-term goal to move her on in life? And, or is your long-term goal to pass some arbitrary class? Well, a lot of times parents get stuck on the notion of that walk across the stage. Yeah, and I get it because it's a symbolic walk across the stage. It signifies all the work and effort that both everybody's put in, right? It's not just the student. A lot of these parents have to drive their kids to school and pick them up every day, and it's a drudgery. And, and you get your own sense of completion when the child walks. But that's vanity. That's not what's best for your child. That's your own vanity. That's fulfilling your own vanity. That's not about your child, child. That's about you. What's best for her? And what's best for her is to be able to move forward. You know, get the GED, go to community college, and try again. Try an online school that teaches has a vastly different technique for teaching those classes. Whatever it takes, you know, it's just the path you're going on. Fighting these things has diminishing returns. At some point, you're actually going to be causing more harm than good. You're going to create, you know, mental issues, psychological issues. You know. Anxiety over over classes and testing and education and you don't want to do that So be very careful You know understand what you want to go what you want to do and just find a way to move forward Sometimes moving forward means going around Yeah Okay, what do we got next? My 12-year-old daughter named Kevin says that people bully her for her name. It's a very nice and common name. So why do people bully her? Well, my question, there's a couple questions. Hey, does she think? Well, bullying isn't okay yeah. to begin with. Yeah, well, we got to cover that the first. It's never okay to bully. And so the bullying part is wrong. And my question is, how did she think that Kevin was a girl's name? Or is she pronouncing it somehow differently that I can't think of? So my guess is maybe she's not from this, the United States, so she doesn't realize there's a cultural difference. She didn't realize Kevin was a mainly male name. Uh, so I, that's kind of my first curiosity. But it's also, in a sense, it shouldn't be relevant. Because you're right, bullying someone over their name, especially in the United States, where we have people from every corner of the world and all kinds of names. I mean, we literally have people who name their names after tequila. Tequila. And so <laughs> I don't know why we're picking on 
girls with the name of Kevin. And especially in the modern world where it really doesn't make a dang bit of difference what your name is and what your gender is. There's, that's becoming less and less of an issue as time moves on. But kids are kids. And they try to be funny. They don't realize they're being cruel because they're children. Now, at 12, you should start to be realizing that. But also at 12, it's when gender differences start to appear. And so that difference between your name and your gender are going to be more noticeable than they were in second grade. No one cared. It's just, my guess is her daughter will find a way around this on her own. She'll go by her middle name. Nickname. Nickname. Shorten it to Ben or something. But that's really all you can do is offer her the solution to allow her to go by her middle names or different versions of her name and let her take some control. Give her some control. That's, I think, all you can really do. And it's going to be hard because I know she's probably lays at night and blames herself some for giving her this name that she thought was perfect. She clearly thought it was a perfectly normal name to give. And she rings nice in her ears. And so now I bet you know my child gets bullied because I gave her a name that people, you know, that's a tough cross to bear. Just, and all you can really do is give your daughter the power to take control of it. And she'll find her way. It's one way. She'll either change her name or she'll put on the, the you know, the, the suit of armor and say, screw it. And she'll wear it like a badge of honor and plow her way through life. So she'll find her way one way or the other. There's nothing wrong with either way. You know, whichever way suits her personality is the way she's going to choose. But, you know, you've seen it both ways. People will go by a different name, their middle name. Oh, yeah. Or, or, or a nickname or something. Or and you've seen it, well, screw it. I'll just wear it like a badge of honor. Don't tell me, make fun of me and my name. Screw you. You can't hurt me because of it. Yeah. I, both of them are perfectly valid responses. Just give her the freedom to do it. Okay. All right, so what we got? When did you realize that your significant other was not your soulmate? Well, I have moments you're my soulmate, and then I have moments where I look at you and go, what are you doing here? Don't you have somewhere to be? Yeah, well, I think we first have to disavow who are, people. Who are you? <laughs> then what are you doing here? Well, thanks a lot there, lovey. Jeez, making me feel loved. No, I think we have to disavow this notion that we have soul. Well, I also have the, the <laughs> notion that you are the pinnacle of my of my life's struggles and relationships, and this is what I deserve. Okay, well, the other Finally. one was probably more realistic, but <laughs> but but in, it's, I vacillate. <laughs> but then again, but. I've had several relationships. I kind of disposed of the idea of a soulmate a while ago. That one all-defining relationship. Well, yeah, well, the point of us... 
soulmates don't actually exist. I, it, it's hard to actually believe when you say soulmates exist. Well, but there are people who are highly compatible with you. Those oh, people oh, exist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those people do exist. And I've always assumed that we miss most of them. Most of them we don't see. And they don't see us. They pass them by like strangers in the night because strangers in the night because that's what we are. And then you've got the ones you choose that are just wrong because, you know, you don't understand yourself or them or all the various reasons we do stupid things. Then there's a handful that you come across that you do have are generally life compatible. And then you one or the other or both of you screw it up. See, and then what happens is people like us, we come here late in life and whatnot, and we find somebody else. Hey, yeah, we found our soulmate. No, 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 we're just no, ready for we're a, ready. We're just ready for a real relationship. We actually know what it means now. <laughs> and we actually know like how to work towards it. It's you know, there's a difference <laughs> between being an eighteen year old and in love and being thirty five and in love. 45 and in love. 45. 55 and in love. There's a difference. Because you've grown. You've changed as a person. You've evolved. You're not the same person at 20 as you are at 30. You're not the same person at 45 as you were at 30. And the person you're with isn't the same person. Or if they are, they've got bigger problems. But... <laughs> But nobody's the same. And so to say who is someone who is for your soulmate at one age, if you don't evolve in the same in the right directions together, you're no longer gonna be. So therefore you're not a soulmate. It can't exist. But someone who is compatible, someone who you love with every ounce of your heart. Fine, mind, my bind. Mind and body, that does exist. You know, those things don't have to end. But is there this one single person out there in the world for you? Yeah, the person you're with. Spend the time on that relationship. And you don't have to worry about the other ones. All right. What's this last one? What small thing can you tell a lot about a person? I think it's whether how they how they treat people are they are they consistently kind. Well, see, I always be that one. Anybody who's overly kind, I mean, I always come kind of suspect. Predators are very good at hiding in sheep's clothing, and so. Well, you're especially kind. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm uh, empathetic. Yes, you are. No, I'm empathetic, but I'm not kind. I am not especially kind. I'm very empathetic. This is true. I'm very understanding. I try to be as kind as I can. Yeah. But that's not the same thing. I won't be overly kind. If someone doesn't deserve my kindness, they're not going to get it. Well, no, you're not a punching <laughs> bag. And, well, used to be, and and I don't give somebody what 
necessarily what they think they need, I give them what I think they need. And that's sometimes doesn't fine, but in the long run it is. Because you don't want to be dishonest. Sometimes being honest is it's the kindest thing to do in the long run, but it's doesn't appear very kind in the moment. Now you can do it as kindly as possible, but you know. Okay. Well, I still say you're kind. I just I've seen too many predators, and so I become a you no. Know, what is it? Evil doesn't show up in a in a twisted mustache and a cape. They show up clothed in good deeds and kind words. That's all. You know, the villain, the traditional villains, yeah, yeah, they don't yeah, show up yeah, in the yeah. twisted mustaches and the funny hat and the cape. They show up clothed in good deeds and kind words. But of course, so does Mother Teresa. So, what are you going to do? <laughs> you do the best you can. I don't know if there's any small things that can actually tell you much about another person. I like to think if a person can think deeply, they can actually philosophize, have an actually internal <laughs> philosophy that goes beyond emotion. It's kind of what I look for. It tells me that someone is able to think beyond themselves. Because it, you, you can't think beyond yourself if you can't think deeply about yourself. Because you can't be honest. If you can't be honest with yourself, you can't be honest with the rest of the world. It's not possible because you're not interpreting the world properly. I mean, none of us interpret the world properly, but you're not even going to get close if all you do is acting on your emotions. You know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if someone can have some logic underneath that, if you can't get lost in your emotions, you know, we watch it. A lot of the response to Simone Biles that we talked about earlier is an emotional response. There's no logic to the responses. They think it's logical. You know, they're good with wordplay, and so they can make it sound like there's some logic or philosophy underneath it. But it's not. It's an emotional response. Somehow, there's people who think she owes them her gold medal. The owe, you owe the country winning a gold medal. No, she doesn't. Nobody else owes you jack. They may give it to you, but they don't owe you. They may care about you. They may care about themselves and you get something out of it. But they don't owe you anything. The only thing you're actually owed is the people who claim to love you should actually love you. That's it. And what exactly does that mean? That's for you guys to decide. And with that, me and Lovey, we'll see you next week. You can reach Lovey at love at latenightlove.us. You can find us at latenightlove.us. Facebook at slash the late night love. 
You can find us at Late Night Love Slash Locals and Minds and MeWe and all the various social media networks. If you can't find us somewhere, let me know and we will look into it. Um, for me and Lovey, thank you for being here and we will see you next week. And please remember to love everybody. Bye.